pregnancy and postpartum questions. I'm your host, Monique Maitland, qualified midwife and nurse, founder of the Midi Society, and someone who is about to become your personal in-pocket midwife and virtual best friend. The Midi Society is a community-based platform where we interview leading healthcare professionals, new mummers, and everyday people who share with us their experiences and reveal what they wish they knew before becoming a parent. So buckle up for this crazy and exciting ride. I'll be talking all things tits, bits, spew and poo. Alright, let's get started. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by Training With Mates, your local supportive fitness community that strengthens health, performance and lifestyle goals through expert coaching, fun and mateship. Exercising whilst pregnant can be a little bit daunting, with most of us not knowing what we actually can and can't do. But with Training With Mates active mum classes, personalised programs and extensive knowledge about safe exercise in pregnancy, they can help you best navigate staying fit and healthy during pregnancy and in the postpartum period. Hello everyone and welcome back to this week's episode from Midi. Today, Midi brings you a new and exciting segment called Midi Chats. In this segment, I will be speaking with influential midwives about their experiences working as a midwife in Australia. This segment has been designed to offer you vital midwifery knowledge and tips about best preparing to have a baby, what you can expect whilst in hospital, as well as my guests sharing some of their most memorable, raw and honest birthing experiences. In today's episode, I speak with Melbourne-based midwife Matilda Westhead about her unique journey into midwifery thus far. We discuss some of the challenges that midwives in Melbourne have faced throughout working in a global pandemic, as well as talking about some of the effects that this has had in hospital for both the woman and her family. Matilda also offers some of her own helpful advice on how to best prepare for giving birth. Please welcome Matilda. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with the incredible midwife, Matilda. Today's episode is super exciting because it is one of the first of my new segments, Midi Chats, where I talk with inspiring midwives in Australia and they share with us their stories of working as a midwife. So I'm super excited to welcome Matilda today. Now, not only are you an amazing midwife, but you're also one of my closest friends and colleagues. But for those listeners who don't know about you, can you share a little bit more about yourself? Hello, good morning. Hello to those that are listening. My name's Matilda, or you can call me Tilly. I'm 23 years old. Um, I was born in the UK and lived there till I was about eight years old. And then my family moved to Adelaide, which is where I grew up. I studied in Adelaide at the University of SA, which I thoroughly enjoyed and couldn't speak more highly of the uni. Um, I then started my career as a midwife and then moved over to Melbourne to be closer with my family. To be closer to me. And you. And to meet Monique. That's why I moved here. <laughs> um, now, I have to apologise for any uh parts of this episode that make zero sense because Matilda and I have both actually just come off night shift but you know we had to get this episode out to you all so <laughs> apologies in advance but Matilda can you 
first of all, the one question all midwives get asked, Mm -hmm. what made you want to be a midwife? Oh, I love this one. It's one of those things where I didn't really decide one day I'm going to be a midwife. It was just, it just happened. I always loved babies and loved caring for people. And when I was little, I'd always have my little dollies. And every time we'd see like a kid in a push chair or a pram, I'd go over and be like, oh my God, baby, go, go, get. Mum's like, you can't touch the kids, Tilly. So I think I've always been a little bit obsessed with babies and fascinated with you know, mums and that whole transition. Um, But yeah, it was, I always knew it wanted to be something in the health industry. I wanted to help people, but um, wanted something maybe a bit more specific than nursing. Um, So that's when I started to look at midwifery or paramedics. Um, So those were my two ideas, but I think I always learned a bit more towards the mid side. Um, And then we had to apply for unis and you had to put one top preference and that was midwifery. And then I got into that and haven't looked back. Yeah. And it's just so funny that you say that you're obsessed with babies because literally when I've been asked that question, I say I was obsessed with babies. Yeah. Like you literally just said the exact same reason for what, yeah. for why I chose to be a midwife too. Yeah, but yeah, you've definitely um, chosen to be a midwife at a very strange time. Mm. I know you're the same as me. We've gone into this career in a global pandemic, but can you talk us through your career so far? So I've been a midwife for two years now. Um, I was very fortunate when I was working in Adelaide in my third year of university, I got to work as an undergraduate midwife. So I got to work as a paid student in a private hospital, which was a really great, great experience. And it actually helped me transition into being a graduate so well. Um, I'd had my own patient loads. I'd done so much breastfeeding and postnatal education, um, looking after women, women and really getting to practice those skills um, and consolidate a little bit of that knowledge before I was out on my own. Um, so that was the start of that. And then I, as soon as I registered, I continued to work at that private hospital as a registered midwife um, until I started my graduate midwifery program. So in Adelaide, that was called the TPPP, and I was fortunate enough to do that at a major tertiary hospital with SA Health, um, which was just amazing. Like, it was obviously very overwhelming to, you know, not be the student anymore and um, be the woman's midwife. That was a big transition, but um, yeah, that was amazing. I've been lucky enough within the private and public sector within that sort of year and a half to work in the special care nursery um, on the anti-gynae ward. So doing a little bit of nursing as well, which was great Um, in clinic, doing the postnatal and then the birthing center. So yeah, I feel like I've done a lot in the last two years and then, you know, to throw a spanner in the works, decided to move to a different city to another major tertiary hospital during a global (laughs) pandemic Um, so yeah, I feel like I've been a midwife for way longer than two years because I feel like you just cram so much into such a small amount of time, but, um, yeah, I still love it every day, but it's definitely been a little bit exhausting, but doing it for all the right reasons. So I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. And so Matilda works with me. We work at a tertiary hospital in Melbourne and that's where I had the pleasure of meeting Tilly um and as we've mentioned this year 
and last year, you know, for us, this is our second year out as midwives and I feel like I've aged about 10 years. To say (laughs) it has been challenging is an understatement. Um, For those listening, I think it's really important to sort of share what it's been like as a midwife throughout this pandemic, especially for us who have started our career. We don't know any different and it's been really hard and it is very tiring. So can you talk us through how have you found this? Like how are you feeling about it all now, especially that I guess in Melbourne, potentially the worst is to come? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It has been a very challenging time to be a midwife, I believe. Um, I think that you're probably the same as me that we, you know, we joke and complain about it and say, you know, I'm so tired. I can't do this anymore. I need annual leave. You know, we often check out the old comment. Why did we do this to ourselves? But at the end of the day, I don't even question why I'm doing it. I just know that that's my role and I'm a midwife. And yes, it sucks a little bit at the moment, but there's people that are in far worse condition than us in different, you know, places across the world. And, you know, I often feel for the women, they're in a very different position to us and we can't really complain because we are lucky to have a job and to be in such a rewarding career. Um, So I don't really ever think about it or ever think, you know, you know, obviously you hope that it would be better, but I often try not to think about it too negatively because it is what it is. Someone's got to do it and that's our job, but it has been really hard. Um, I think especially my new degree with myself moving to a new hospital and you moved um, to the same hospital, you know, at a similar time to I, you know, getting used to the new protocols in a new city was quite hard. Um, Yeah. You know, every hospital do things a little differently. So that was quite difficult. And that sort of came in with the new COVID regulations and um, all the PPE changes, all the, um, you know, little things we have to do differently now because of COVID and they're not major things, but it's lots of little things that is quite draining as well because you're constantly on high alert thinking, Oh, am I doing this right? I've got to check that this is correct. Um, Yeah. Everything, everything's just a little bit different. Um, And I know we'll probably talk a little bit more about the PPE, but that's definitely been an adjustment, but it's one of those things like I can't even remember going back a year ago, or especially when I was in Adelaide, we would wear masks occasionally, but only when there was a potential outbreak um, to then come to the women's and wear it constantly. And it's like, it's my second piece of skin. Like you don't even think about it. It's just crazy. No. And especially now, yeah, we will touch on it later in this episode, but the PPE is quite strict at the moment, given that Mm. everything that's happening in Melbourne and just coming out of lockdown. But I think the hardest part about being a midwife in this pandemic is that we care so much Mm. and it's just about giving that same level of care that we've been used to previously. Like a simple thing such as not being able to show the woman that you're looking after and their family and your face. Like people don't know what we look like and we are – caring for these women at their most vulnerable state and that's I found I I don't know about you but I certainly found that really challenging that like the woman and her partner couldn't ever see my smile and I would always say I hope that you can tell that I'm smiling with my eyes like I've definitely had to try and learn more facial expression Mm -hmm. for my eyes to tell a story because you know they look at you that's my favorite part as being a midwife is like when you get that eye to eye contact with a woman and you're like I've got your back you've got my back but they just don't see 
your whole face and yeah that's super tough like especially for them absolutely and especially for the partners as well it's funny you say that because I've I've been in birth center for my last few nights and I um, had a particular support person a partner and he was just you know it's a very abnormal thing for him to be happening he had no idea much about labor and birth it was their first child and he just looked at me so terrified and I had to keep saying to him because he couldn't read my face he could just yeah. see my eyes which in, from my perspective I think I have quite an expressive top half of my face as my um, forehead frown shows but um, <laughs> I had to keep saying to him like I promise I'm smiling I'm not concerned because he could just see my eyes which yeah. probably looked quite serious and yeah. he was look, darting his eyes between the student and I just trying to read us so you have to use more of that non-verbal communication in your mannerisms and um, verbal com- communication as well to reassure them and things like that because I have to keep saying as well like I promise I'm smiling behind this like my eyes yeah. might look serious but you know, I promise you everything's okay and this is the most beautiful thing ever. I'm so happy to be here. But you've yeah. just got this huge mask covering the greater proportion of someone's face. Like yeah. I just couldn't imagine being it's in the women's position. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so frightening. And we do wear like face shields and goggles too. So really <laughs> there's no clear view of our face. Um, but for anyone listening, just know that we – we are smiling under mm-hmm. the mask as much Definitely. as we normally would. And we're so like, we're always advocating for you. And the funniest thing is if you bypass someone that you've been looking after in like the cafe or um, mm-hmm. outside and they sort of look at you like, wait, that's what you look like. And it's either going to be a good thing or a bad thing. You're like, what do you think I look like? Yeah. <laughs> do I match the vision that you thought that I would look like? Uh, but can you, Tell us how you are feeling at the moment. Are you feeling a little bit exhausted? It's probably the wrong time to ask me after I've just come off nights and had, um, you know, a little bit of a hectic time. But I am, I'm not sure if it's coming out of lockdown as well or, you know, I feel like during this lockdown as well, the three months, you were the same one. We've just worked constantly because there was nothing else you could really do. And we're both already practically full-time hours And then, you know, you do the odd extra shift or, um, you know, overtime. And I'm just so tired. And on my days off, which are often filled with now out of lockdown, catching up with people or getting out and about, which is what we've been looking forward to do, I'm just exhausted. Like I'm constantly catching up on sleep. Um, I feel like I can just finally switch off when I'm out of the work environment. And I just, I don't want to do anything. So it's really hard to keep yourself energized and motivated to come back into work. So I feel like you're probably the same. Yeah. And, you know, this conversation is honest. It's mm. it's not to, you know, scare people off of choosing this career or making people worried about coming into hospital, but these are just some of the raw feelings that every, not even midwives, but every single healthcare mm. professionals are feeling at the moment. And I think the hardest part is knowing that we haven't had a rest and Mm -hmm. for how much we do we're all we're all tired like Mm. there's no doubt about that but we love our job that was the most frustrating thing for me when those protests were on in Melbourne I was like you actually have the choice to not go to work and things won't fall apart imagine if healthcare professionals were just like nah you know what stuff this I'm not working today like it's just we don't have that choice and yeah we've all fronted up through this pandemic without mm-hmm. even questioning it and I just guess that shows the type of people we are but yeah. can you talk us through 
the working conditions in the hospitals throughout this period? Um, yeah, it's been, I think it's been quite tough and it's definitely something that the hospital, particular that we're working in, is navigating and is changing all the time. Um, it is quite a high stress environment, I think, for staff as well, um, particularly around COVID restrictions and having women with COVID or suspected COVID, um, you know, tier one or close contacts on our wards. And we now have a specific ward for them, which is a bit more controlled, but it's just stressful. It's like, I feel like the working conditions, you know, there's lots of sick leave because people are obviously having to get tested or if they're, um, you know, feeling unwell, that's a shift gone. So I feel like there's just a, it's like a quiet chaos in the hospital. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Certainly. And I think that we are tired that, you know, the sick leave has increased, but also there was articles that came out about the, obviously the working conditions in hospitals that not only nurses and midwives are going through at the moment, but yeah, unfortunately COVID, not unfortunately, fortunately COVID brought in a lot of babies. So I Mm. think you've got the pandemic and then you've got the increased amount of babies being born that there's a lot of work for us to do Mm -hmm. that there wasn't much downtime and so you know being asked as soon as you come on for a shift if you can stay for a double shift Mm -hmm. or you know what's our longest shift that we could do Matilda is crazy and tends to pick up a double shift from 1 p.m until 7 30 a.m which is how many hours like I can't do the math 18 hours 18 hours about yeah, by the time you get out, it's one of those things that I know that you don't have to do the doubles and the extras, but... It got to the point, though, that we have a choice, but we don't have a choice because if we don't have the staff, then the women don't get the care that it's like we're torn. Exactly. And, you know, it's, you know, I don't make those decisions lightly. If I wasn't feeling well or didn't feel like I could work that long shift, I definitely wouldn't. But yeah. we do often, you know, then get the following day off. So it works out sort of in our favour. We wouldn't just be doing it purely to do it um but yeah it's hard especially like if you're in birth center or you've looked after these beautiful women for your whole shift and then you now get the chance to have that continuity with them for another shift it's sort of like well it would be a bit nicer for them as well because now I have this massive period of time when I can try and help them and make a difference not that someone else coming on to the next shift wouldn't wouldn't but it's just that continuity is so like so incredible and it's quite rare to get sometimes um yeah in the public health system for sure. Definitely. And we've touched on the PPE. Mm-hmm. How have you found working with that? Um, the mask, it's been nice because it's been quite gradual. Like we started with the surgical masks and we're like, okay, this is okay. And then we swapped to the N95s and that was really difficult. Those first few shifts, I remember thinking, I can't like, I don't know if I can do this every shift. Like my face hurts. I can't breathe through my nose and I'm already such a mouth breather. <laughs> my poor sinuses are just like, say goodnight, they're gone. And yeah. then, you know, then to the goggles and for someone that wears contacts and glasses, um, I've been leaning more towards wearing glasses for my, um, for my shifts just because my eyes would get so dry and I already am having to squint sometimes. So yeah. the face shields and the goggles are okay. Um, and, you know, in birth centre is sometimes good because 
it's good to have some sort of splash protection. Yeah, um, never know what's coming. You never know way. what's coming. Um, <laughs> Name a bodily fluid. It's been on it's our been body. It's been on our body, absolutely. But then to, yeah, and with the gowns now as well, it's hot in hospitals as well. It yeah. gets really warm. And I think the last couple of weeks being in, you know, rooms with COVID patients, especially in labour, you're in, you don't come out the room very often and, you know, you might not have a drink for five or six hours until it's suitable yeah. for you to actually come out of the room and leave your woman, um, someone to monitor her and to come and yeah. have a drink. So I feel like that as well, that's really draining because normally we'd have our bottles close to us. You'd be hydrated throughout the whole shift yeah. and you're naturally more dehydrated in the hospital setting because of the air cons and the vents yeah. as well, I find. So that's been really hard and my bladder's already shocking. So <laughs> I've been quite proud of it for how well it's been. <laughs> we, we pretty much go against everything that we say to people. Exactly. We know, stay fit, healthy, and here we are like hardly drinking, holding onto our bladder. I think we've got bladders of steels and then yeah. as soon as I leave the hospital, I need to eat all the time. Yeah, Don't exactly. That. But I think that's a the hardest part of our job too is that – you know, it's not just a nine to five job. We've got the shift work, but then also we don't just get to go, oh, yep, it's 12, 12.30, time for lunch, let's yeah. go. You know, if your woman is about to push out a baby mm-hmm. uh, that you're looking after, you stay. Or if it's, say, our shift finishes at 9.30 and there's a head-on view, you know, mm-hmm. we don't just walk out. It doesn't mm-hmm. just end at that end time of the shift. Yeah. Um. So, Get, getting to breaks has been challenging throughout the pandemic and making sure that we are all getting breaks has certainly mm. been something that we've had to be more aware of. And, you know, we've touched on some of the negatives, but there are certainly positives. And I think for me specifically, even in the last two weeks, I've worked on the COVID ward that we've opened up. And although it's challenging and yes, I would much prefer to not be working in those conditions with all the PPE but what an amazing experience and story that we have to tell in the future Mm. that we get to look after these women and still provide the best care that we can I think that's a pat on a pat on our backs that we have Mm. never dropped our standard of care and the love that we give the women and their families but the pandemic has certainly come with a few of challenges for midwives and all healthcare professionals but how do you think the lockdowns and restrictions in hospitals have affected women's in terms of support surrounding having a baby, specifically in that hospital journey? I just um, have so much admiration for the women and their partners because I honestly couldn't imagine going through what they're going through in these times. Everything's just so up in the air you don't know how the next day is going to go and then to be you know pregnant and having this amazing new chapter of your life when you're not quite sure how the state of the world and the state of the you know conditions you're living in at the moment are going to turn out is really scary and the fact that you know I would say majority of the women that I care for have just got this you know it is what it is attitude and we've coped and you know it hasn't been the best but you know, we're so grateful to be here and have, you know, this experience with my partner and their support people or their baby is just crazy. Like the, I had a um, lovely couple a few weeks ago and the husband 
thought he wasn't going to be able to come to the labour and birth because um, unfortunately the woman had contracted COVID and he was already so deflated because he hadn't been able to go to any of the scans because of the COVID restrictions. Yeah. I think he'd been on, he'd been to one face-to-face appointment, which was quite, um, quite a short one. He'd never actually heard the baby's heart rate before. Um, he hadn't been, yeah, hadn't been to a scan, hadn't seen anything. It had all been through the camera. And those are things that pre-COVID, like, I think, not that we took for granted, but that was so special that partners could even be at that appointment and have that um, that firsthand experience with all yeah. of those little steps in the pregnancy. And luckily he was able to um, be exempt and come for the labour and birth. But every little thing, like he was just so grateful to be there and to have this, but nothing takes back what he has lost. And, yeah, you know, hopefully if they do have future pregnancies, it's without restrictions, but still like he's always going to remember that experience as being a little bit left out. Yeah, that it, I don't know why, but it just gave me goosebumps yeah. because like we see it firsthand and I guess that's one of the reasons why I've created this platform is to try and do something more. I just wanted to do more because I didn't think that it was fair and it's one of those things in life that we just have had no control over and I think for a lot of us we've been angry, we've been mad but we've been able to try and find the positives of it. And I guess the positive in hospital with these restrictions of having just, you know, your support person there is what an amazing experience for both you and your support person, your partner, your husband, to be able to just be in hospital in your little love bubble with your baby. Mm-hmm. I know people get so scared of coming and staying in hospital without the thought of a support person and not being able to have their partner stay overnight but most people have been like it was actually so nice to Mm. just have him or her there with me and not have to worry about anyone else so if you're listening and you're about to have a baby because unfortunately we're not yet through this pandemic there's still a little bit more to come and we don't know what the restrictions are going to be So just know and be reassured that there is a positive in that. But certainly throughout the antenatal period, I think it's been quite hard for women because, you know, having a baby, especially for the first time throughout this pandemic, you don't know any different. You don't know what you've ultimately been robbed of either. Yeah, definitely. Um, So we've sort of just accepted it. And Mm. yes, I like that's all we can sort of do but just know if you're someone who's had a baby and I know I touched on this with an episode with Lizzie um, talking about her pregnancy experience during the pandemic just know all the feelings that you have whether they're anger frustration or happiness they're all validated and um, we get it we totally get it and like I was going to say in the antenatal period you've had no choice but to take on the role of having to relay messages to your support person And that's really hard too because these words that we use in hospitals, they're not easy words and you have no idea and then to have to take it all home and try and explain that to other people that would usually be there with you, it's been tough. Yeah, definitely. And on that as well, um, the effects on families, especially with, you know, it's been hard. That's even considering the people that are close to you live in the same state as you. Um, we've had border closures for quite some months now. So that's, you know, a lot of families that have 
you know, their parents or their siblings interstate that otherwise would be here in that immediate postnatal period. They don't know when they're going to be able to see them. And that like is just so heartbreaking because, you know, even if not being able to come into the hospital straight after, that's fair enough. But having restrictions in the home and then having restrictions with the borders, not knowing when you're going to be able to meet your new grandchild or your niece and nephew, you're never going to get that back. And going five years ago, you know, two, three years ago, even that wouldn't have even been a question if you wanted to be there and, you know, support in whatever way you can, you could do that. You could get on a flight, you could get time off work, but there's just this horrible barrier that is just, yeah, like you said, robbed so many people experiences. Yeah. And I think, like I said, we don't know any different, but Mm. it's going to be those people that have babies for the second time that are like, wow, this is what it should have been like. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's it breaks my heart, but mm. unfortunately we haven't been able to do anything about that. But yeah, what you just said in terms of families, we look after a lot of different cultures as well. Mm. And this pandemic goes like totally just goes against their culture. You know, yeah. normally they would have their family caring for them. Like there's some cultures where the woman, once she has a baby, she really doesn't do anything. Yeah. And her family come from overseas to well, not when I say don't do anything, but she, you know, they they rest and they look after her. And now they've gone, that's all they've known. And now they've shoved home and they've got no support. Like it's mm. just, it's really hard. And I think mm. the working conditions in the hospital, we were pushed to our limits. And as much as we wouldn't want to say that the care got decreased in hospital because we would always give 110%, but we just didn't have the time. You definitely couldn't do it at your full capacity, that's for sure. Yeah, and that wasn't because we weren't trying. Boy, we've been trying for a long time, Mm -hmm. but it was just the acuity and the PPE, Mm -hmm. it just took up the extra time. Mm -hmm. And those women that had really normal um, vaginal births, they sort of almost got neglected and that Mm -hmm. broke my heart. I just felt like I was never giving enough and doing enough for them, Mm -hmm. even though I was trying my absolute best and that's why Mitty was born because Mm. I wanted to give and do more for others but I've watched you firsthand as as a midwife and you are absolutely amazing it's I can't believe that you know you've only worked for two years because your presence in the hospital is certainly well known and you're very inspiring and I'm very proud of you for everything you've done throughout this pandemic Uh, You've changed a lot of women's lives. So hats off to you, girl. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Don't cry. I won't cry. cry. Um, But, yeah, to finish off this episode, I guess in one word, this is Mons Fast Five, by the Mm way, Um, in one word, how would you describe being a midwife? Rewarding. That's the first one that will come to my head yeah certainly can agree with that one Mm -hmm. um second one Mm -hmm. this is going to be tough all these questions are really hard to be asked as a midwife (laughs) um what has been your most memorable moment as a midwife most memorable moment there's yeah there's so many and then it's so hard to pinpoint just one um but probably one that I think really to the core reminded me of what it was to be a midwife um, was when I worked in Adelaide and I had um, 
a beautiful young woman who was um, quite unwell in pregnancy. So I was able to look after her almost every shift that I came on. I was allocated her for the whole, um, for every shift for basically the entirety of her pregnancy from when she found out she was unwell and then to be able to find out she then had the baby and then continue to look after her postnatally and then be able to see the baby in the special care nursery every day. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've actually kept in contact with her and to know that her and the baby are doing well is just like amazing. And you just think how incredible that I was able to be on a majority of her journey. And hopefully I made some of that, you know, journey for her a little bit more tolerable and made a little bit of a difference as well as a lot of the other midwives that looked after her. So it's like the people like that that you can reflect on and go, I remember them and I know that they, I've had an impact on them and I've done my job. That's, that's all I'm happy with. Yeah. And I think that's the craziest part about our job is that we do get to leave a little stamp in people's hearts and, you know, they may not remember our names, but hopefully we've done something to make their birthing experience, no matter what type of birth it is, a memorable one. Um, Obviously going with the most memorable moment, what has been one of the biggest challenges Um, Biggest challenges, definitely going from a grad to a midwife and getting those, not a grad to a midwife, grad to then, you know, a grad plus one in your first year out um, was a big jump. And I did that in the transition from moving states. So I just had to take my training wheels off and just as cliche as it is, just jump into it because I didn't have another option. It was either that or I just sort of thought, I can't do this. So that was really, um, really hard as well as everything that's going on this year as well. Um, yeah. But then you've just got to trust what you know and you've just got to pick up the areas that you might be lacking and think, okay, well, I need to go home and in my spare time, I need to make sure that I look up these protocols because um, that's something that I wasn't quite sure about. And growing that confidence in actually asking for help and it's not being ashamed of asking for help, that's been quite yeah. a big challenge going to your in charge or your manager and saying, look, I think that I need a bit more help here or would you mind just helping me this quick second? And I think as a grad, it was quite hard to speak up and um, actually pick out when you needed help and things like that. And, you know, that goes, um, as you'd know, Mon, with escalating things within the hospital, feeling the confidence to go and speak to a doctor and say, this is my woman and, you know, this is something that I think might be an issue or should or shouldn't happen um, and having the confidence to actually think I'm not the student anymore this is my patient this is the woman that I'm caring for and it's my job to advocate for her and go and speak about it um and I've definitely developed that in the last sort of six to eight months working here um but it's still something that you'd probably agree changes all the time and it's really difficult yeah and it's certainly I feel like as a midwife it's very easy to second guess yourself because we speak so much with everyone like doctors and other midwives and everyone has a different way of doing something Mm. and it's just not comparing yourself to others you know we work across such a variety of different areas too that sometimes you know postnatal breastfeeding might be a stronger area than working in birth center so everyone's different and yeah just we'll never know everything yeah exactly it's always it's always good to ask for help but Next question, which I think is going to be the hardest because I think there's so many different stories that 
were a part of as a midwife, what would be, I guess, your most hilarious story? Um, Yeah, there's probably lots, but it's hard to exactly pinpoint one. Um, But one that was just fresh in my brain from um, a night shift I did a little while ago, I had this um, absolutely hilarious woman in labor and she'd come into the hospital um, pretty much fully dilated, but she was preterm. So we were very quickly trying to prepare her for delivery and someone had given her the gas and spoke to her about how to use it, which is a nitrous oxide pretty much as soon as she came in and obviously her body was going through a million changes within that short period of time. And now she was coming with a fact with, oh my God, my baby's, you know, about to be born. This is crazy. And she was already, I think, such a funny woman. But then to add the nitrous into the mix, like she was just coming out with these cracking one-liners and I can usually keep a poker face, but when I need a giggle, I need a giggle. (laughs) And her midwife and I were just, um, I couldn't keep a straight face and, you know, it was coming time for the baby to be born and she was just would not let go of that gas and her eyes were rolling back in her head and she was saying, um, go on, Matilda, just put your hand up, just pull it out. And I was like, no, no, like, come on, you've got to push this out, keep going. And she just couldn't understand why I couldn't just pull it li- out. lift the baby out. And I said, no, no, there's no need for any help. Like, not that I could do that anyway. Like, my hand's not that strong. That's not how the anatomy works. But she just couldn't. And her face looking at me, she's like, come on, just pull it out. I was like, I really can't. And after when, you know, the nitrous had come out of her system and her adrenaline was down and she was just holding her baby, she was like, I'm so sorry. I've said some crazy things. And I'm like, you know what? You've just made my night 10 times more funny than it would have been. So thank you for that. Literally, there is no, I guess, judgment in the birth center. No way. I love it. Getting a baby. Yeah. Just have a laugh. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely yeah literally have a have a laugh and there is no judgment and that's what I'm gonna touch on now is in birth center like what is you obviously work in birth center quite a lot what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone about that birth center experience in terms of labor and birth mm-hmm. um as midwives we often say you know it's best not to have an exact set birth plan and just know your expectations may alter because as we know birth and labor in itself can deviate so many different ways um so although we all aim for a nice normal vaginal birth um there are certain things that can happen on the way that can change that path but at the end of the day that's what we aim for but just make sure you are aware of the resources available to you in the hospital for labor and birth like you know, make sure you talk to your midwives and your pregnancy appointments um, and just prepare and educate yourself in that sense. Know what you might like. You know, you might never have thought about using a shower before, but now you know that you can use that when you get to the hospital. Like that just changes things for you. Um, And making sure whoever you have in the labour room with you, if you choose to bring someone, whether it be your partner or support person, um, does this sort of education with you as well and really educate yourselves on what to expect, what's normal in pregnancy, what's normal in that leading up to labour point because you don't know what you don't know. And so I often find, I think it's been with COVID as well, a lot of people will come and sort of have no idea what's normal and no idea um, really what that first initial labour point is like and then what happens next. So 
you know, you don't have to, but it is definitely good to try and listen to podcasts like this, know what's normal, know what you can expect, um, know what you can give consent to and what you want for yourself as well is really important. You know, nothing has to happen without your consent. Um, So just knowing what you expect. Does that make sense? Yeah, certainly. And I always say it, but education and knowledge is so powerful. Mm. And I guess that has sort of lacked over the last two Mm. years because their face-to-face contact in hospital and with other people, it hasn't been there. But you're right, knowing just what is normal and what's not. I think for me, there's nothing more frustrating when I see women be so hard on themselves, Mm. whether their baby, like this isn't just in birth centre, but whether their baby's getting on the breast straight away, I'm like, that's newborn normal behavior but you don't know this so you're being so hard on yourself and we see it all the time women just judge themselves so quickly and to us we just watch them and we're so inspired by them like honestly there's nothing I get the adrenaline rush there's definitely an adrenaline rush when you deliver a baby but also you're just so proud and I don't think unless you're a midwife you can't really understand the feelings that we get when we work with a woman and Mm -hmm. she meets that goal that she set for herself and we've been able to facilitate that. But just like you said, Tilly, knowing what you can consent to as well and also advocate for yourself and having like, you know, telling your partner that Mm -hmm. this is what you want so that they can advocate for you Mm -hmm. um, is really important. But yeah, women, women, we do not care about anything that you say or do in the birth center and I think the funniest thing is I've heard this so much throughout the pandemic is you know say we have to do a vaginal examination and you know taking off your pants in front of someone can be concerning and frightening and I know that I I do it all I see it all the time but then when I have to do it I'm like oh don't look at me Mm. but we are never looking at anything like that we are not judging you there is no judgment from us and the thing that I've heard the most throughout this pandemic is oh like I'm sorry that I'm a little bit hairy the laser I haven't been able to you know shave or my laser appointment I haven't been able to get to it and it's like girl we do not care what your vagina looks like like have you seen mine literally and it's nothing to be ashamed of as well like there shouldn't be shame around it And I think maybe that's easy enough for us to say because you're probably like me, like nothing really phases me. And that's what, you know, I talk about birth and things like that so openly. And sometimes I have to be like, oh, God, like this isn't normal for some people. Um, I can't just talk about it like that. So I often, you know, have been told that I share a bit too much sometimes with family (laughs) and friends. But like it's nothing to be ashamed about. And, you know, women should know as well, like we see so many vaginas and boobs and breasts and we just think that everyone's bodies are amazing and no offense but I'm not going to remember your bits (laughs) I'm not going to remember your bits like I'm going to remember your face and your partner's face and your beautiful baby and that is it yeah we are not we are not walking out to the desk going oh my goodness have you seen this woman's vagina (laughs) like if that is our conversation wow we're having a good shift if that's all talk about (laughs) a great shift (laughs) I'd happily talk about that but No, women, we are not judging you for your bits or for your lumps and bumps. It's normal. We think you're all amazing Mm. and we're so proud of you. Absolutely. But 
Matilda, thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us all today. Like I said, you're incredible and the women that you have blessed, they are so lucky to have you. And yeah, keep keep sharing your knowledge and the love. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And I also think you are an incredible midwife. And I am so glad that I have met you and been able to work with you because I would not be as sane as I am now if <laughs> I didn't have you the last six months. So thank you for you as well. My absolute pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of MIDI. Your support means the absolute world to me. So if you loved this episode and want to stay up to date with the latest interviews and midwifery education, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For further information about this episode, please check the show notes below. If you wish to share your pregnancy and motherhood experience, you can get in touch with me by emailing hello at themidisociety.com.au and find us on Instagram at atthemidisociety or at Monique underscore Maitland. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. I'll be talking all things flap chat. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week and remember you're doing the best you can. Mm-hmm.